0: we <laughs> Well hello there and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman. Joel Johnson is here. He's a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. He's the host of Better Money every weekend on TV, on WFSB Channel 3, on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sundland, also on WCBD Channel 5 in Boston. He's written eight of his own books, including most famously The Money Map and Joel, it's always great to get your wisdom. What's happening? What's on your mind today? Well, I'm excited about the show
1: today. We're going to talk about housing. Listen to another segment of my what I was so honored to have this interview with David Lehman, who's uh, one of Governor Lamont's right-hand top advisors. And uh, if those of you that have not heard the podcast, the clips from the podcast, or go to my Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom podcast and listen to the entire David Lehman interview, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it made me feel real good. About Connecticut and our future here we've had some problems here and I think they're getting fixed and I think David and I believe the governor at this point has a much better understanding of what's happening in our state and some of the problems that need to be fixed than we've had in quite some time certainly in my opinion the last administration here in the state so I'm just really excited about uh, digging in a little bit more to this interview and some of the subjects of this interview and then of course we'll take some of your questions that you constantly send in and if you have questions Um, If you have particular topics you want to hear about on this radio program, it's radio at johnsonbrunetti.com, radio at johnsonbrunetti.com. You can ask us any question, and we will answer it here on the air.
0: So since you mentioned the David Lehman interview, let's actually listen to another clip from that again. Well, we've made the entire interview available as a Money Wisdom podcast. So if you want to go to wherever you consume your podcasts and search Money Wisdom, you'll find from a couple of weeks ago, the David Lehman interview in its entirety. Again, David is the commissioner of Connecticut's Department of Economic and Community Development. Joel talked to him for about half an hour. You can find that whole thing. But I wanted to play for you today this specific uh, part of the conversation about housing density and affordable housing in Connecticut. I was for many years part of the National Association of Home
1: Builders, the local chapters here because I had so many clients that were home builders and that was a constant topic of conversation that in order for them to be financially successful with developments because they had these large minimum lot sizes and so much set-asides as far as um, open land and so on that they really struggled to build these medium-sized houses, more affordable houses. And um, I, I'm glad you're talking about that because that's a real issue. You know, my my kids have gone to school in other places, except for my uh, my third boy who went to Yukon. And for them to move back here, if they if they choose to move back here, it's a real challenge for them to buy a home.
2: Yeah, and I think, and again, this this comes down to right the the locality the w- w- the governor. We can we can encourage this, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the local. Um, zoning laws, the local planning boards—they they need to to, to want this, um, and that and that's how this is going to work ultimately. And you know, when people want to compare us to a state like a, a Florida or a Texas, the again, that there's a big cultural difference there. It's not about you know one person wa- waving a wand. You, you, we need, we need to be able to seek that and enable that type of development. And and I think you are seeing more of that. Again, you certainly housing starts last year were you know they're not they're not where they were at the early 2000s during the real estate boom, but. You know that they continue to be at elevated levels, in particular in places like Stanford and New Haven, and and I think those are areas where we want to continue to see more dense housing. And you know we can debate if it's affordable or not. I look at median uh, home prices relative to incomes uh, across the country, and. Connecticut looks okay. And we're certainly not inexpensive, but I think there's this perception that um, the average house in Connecticut is expensive. Uh, I, I would I would differ with that, that individual. I think we, we look on a, on a home price basis, we look uh, fair relative to the country.
0: Again, that was a short clip of Joel's interview with David Lehman, who is the commissioner of the Connecticut Department of Economic and Community Development. You can hear the entirety of that interview on the Money Wisdom podcast. Let's use that as a springboard to a a larger conversation about housing and, and what you're seeing with your clients. I know you probably have a lot of people who are maybe looking to downsize to a smaller house, maybe some people looking to sell their home here locally and move elsewhere. Some people are looking to buy a second home or already have a second home and are trying to figure out what they're going to do from a primary residence sort of perspective. What are you seeing in general and how are you advising people and what's in most parts of the country a pretty hot real estate market?
1: I think you know, if we were to talk about this question that you're asking me, John, about two years ago, what we were saying is you know, retirees, people that have retired are trying to figure out how to get out of Connecticut, uh, how to move south. And that was the general overall theme. They had um, had it. They were a little bit discouraged. Again, I, I don't want to beat up on you know, the government here, but the previous administration, I, I don't think did as good of a job as the current administration. In, in, uh, and when I say administration, I mean state um, administration. I, I don't think they did as good of a job as Governor Lamont and his team are doing in addressing some of the issues in Connecticut. And so two years ago, again, we had all kinds of people trying to move south as quick as possible. And uh, we have seen that shift a little bit. And so what's happening now is some people are downsizing. Some people are still moving to other parts of the country. Many people are staying because they feel like the benefits of being closer to children and grandchildren um, outweigh maybe saving a few bucks on some taxes and things like that. And so we're definitely seeing a change in the attitude. The other thing that we're seeing is with COVID, there are a tremendous amount of New Yorkers. And when I say New Yorkers, I mean Metro New York, the city, um, whether it's metro new york meaning part of new jersey or metro new york city the boroughs we're seeing a lot of people wanting to get out of new york um with the work at home that some people will continue to do um, a lot of people have said you know what i'm i'm out of here and there's a pretty hot market in connecticut from a real estate standpoint especially along the shore of people that are reexamining whether they want to continue working as hard as they do, whether they want to change their lifestyle and maybe work from home, whether they even need to work at all. And, um, and so the real estate market along the shore of Connecticut continues to be hot. We bought a beach house down in a town called Niantic, which many of you know where that is. Um, we bought a beach house last summer, and already we've had offers to sell it. Um, it's, it's for much more than we bought it for. It's just amazing the influx of, and these are all New Yorkers. And same thing when we bought that house, it was the third house we tried to buy. Two of them didn't even go, weren't even on the market more than 24 hours before there were multiple offers. So very hot market in Connecticut right now. So if you are thinking about moving, it's a great time to assess, you know, do you want to move? What can you get for your house? What can you get, um, from where you move to?
0: I think a lot of your clients at Johnson Brunetti are at the age that their kids are sort of in that first time home buyer market, which is sort of reflective of where your sons are in that range. Uh, How are you advising your boys in terms of home buying for the future? What are you telling them?
1: Well, it's an interesting question because things have really shifted. There is, you know, my oldest boy is 31 this year. And uh, we actually talked about him buying a home. We talked about it 2 years ago about him buying a home. He works up in the Boston area. And for him it's not about the finances. It's not about, you know, I'm going to get a mortgage, I'm going to own a place and I don't have to pay rent anymore and so on. For him it's about flexibility. He doesn't he doesn't know how long he wants to live in Boston. He likes living there now, but he wants the flexibility where if he decided to move to Colorado tomorrow, he could just up and do that and it wouldn't be complicated. He wouldn't have a house to sell and I think amongst a lot of younger people people that don't have families yet they tend to want to have this flexibility in fact there's a whole group of people that are actually very high income earners I was talking to my other boy about this recently who are actually completely mobile they will live in one place for a month they'll go somewhere else for two months and so on so I think that group probably is not that interested in buying homes and And I'm not so sure if they want that flexibility. I would recommend them buying homes. In fact, I I am sure I wouldn't recommend them buying homes because a home is an obligation that that should be done on a long term basis. You don't buy a home to sell it in a year and a half. This isn't Southern California in the 70s where you could flip a house every two years and just make a ton of money. Um, It's different now. We have different demographics. And so housing philosophy has changed a bit. Now, if somebody's going to be in the same area for a while and they're starting a family, then I would encourage them, depending on the state they're in, um, to purchase a home, to get a mortgage, purchase a home and have uh, a sense of permanence. But it really depends on the person, their goals, their priorities, probably the type of job that they do and whether they're um, married and starting a family or they have a young family
0: do you ever have clients who maybe want to help their kids with a down payment on a first-time home purchase? And if so, how do you guide people in terms of whether or not that fits into their overall retirement plan?
1: Well, we have that all the time and we just run the analysis. We run a future income analysis if they're thinking of retiring, let's say in five years, for example, and we'll see. Look, if you help your kids with a down payment, meaning a gift, um, if you make a gift of, let's say, $100,000 for a down payment, is that going to affect your long-term financial health? And if it's going to affect their long-term financial health, it's going to have them have to cut back on their goals or, you know, they'll say, well, we'll make the gift, but now we need a 9% per year rate of return on our money. Um, we will discourage that um, that gift. And obviously, we're not making the decision for them, but we will paint the picture of what that gift could cost them as far as retirement security. Um, But if they're going to be fine, then by all means, however you want to do it, a gift, um, a loan that's formalized, a loan that's not formalized, you know, maybe you own a piece of the house. Maybe you actually make a down payment and say, okay, well, we own 20% of this house or when you ever sell it, we get our money back first and you keep the proceeds. Um, There's all kinds of ways it can be done, but we always want to make sure that the parents that are loaning the money or gifting the money are going to be okay on their own. Um, Because what nobody wants is, you know, the older, the parents to be living with their children because the
0: parents' retirement plan blew up. So I think this is probably a great opportunity to say, hey, if you don't have a money map in place for yourself, having that foundation can really help you make some of those decisions. So, Joel, if somebody wants to go through that money map retirement review process, give us the quick summary of what that looks like.
1: Well, we haven't talked about it as much on this program, but it, it will give you your financial picture on one page. That's why we call it a map, but it's a full financial plan. We'll analyze the investments you have how much risk are you taking? Um, what what will happen sooner or later when the market goes down? What kind of impact is that going to have on your future retirement, on you emotionally? Um, if you have a partner, is one partner risk averse versus another partner that's very comfortable with risk? So we do a full investment analysis. We do a full future income analysis to make sure that your goals can be met based on the investments and the guaranteed income that you have, like pension and social security. We look at how all that fits in. And then most importantly, we look at tax strategies. How can you minimize taxes? We have an administration now that has pledged to change taxes. And for some people, for many of our clients, that is a tax increase. And we're not talking about cheating on taxes, but we're talking about not paying more um, than the law says you should pay. And what are the ways that you can set yourself up in the future for minimizing taxes? So taxes, investments, retirement analysis we do all that it's all part of the money map call now make sure you get yours Um, it's very important that you know that this is customized this is special to your situation it's not a cookie cutter plan and what you do is you just simply call you leave a message we don't have people working on the weekends here at Johnson Brunetti so you're gonna leave a message and then Robin or Jen or Maddie will call you back on Monday and set up a time for you to come in and get your money map get your financial plan customized to you that anticipates the changes you're going through now or that you will go through in retirement so call 1-800-705-1232 to get your money map call now 1-800-705-1232 you can also text your first and last name to that number and we will get back to you and set up a time for you to come in visit with us get your money map there's no charge no obligation 800 Seven zero five
0: one two three two. Again, 800-705-1232. Two options. You can call or text. The third option, which I would not encourage, is wait and do it another day. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to say, you know what? That Joel guy on the radio, he makes a lot of sense. I should go talk with them. And it always is a great thing to do tomorrow or next week or next month. And the next thing you know, you would have been much better off <laughs> to have done it. Months or years earlier. So just go ahead, raise your hand right now, call, leave a message, as Joel said, or text, include your first and last name. We'll get back in touch with you that way. But that gets the process started. You can do it now while it's on your mind, and you don't have to have your calendar in front of you right now. We'll work out those logistics later. 800 705 1232 is the number to call. That's 800 705 One, two, three, two. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Burnetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, we were talking about housing for the first part of the show, and let's stick with that theme as we open up the mailbag here. We'll start with Joseph because he has a housing-related question. He says, the market in my area is so hot right now that I'm tempted to put our house in the market and get top dollar for it. Because we plan to retire and move to the mountains within the next three to four years anyway. Of course, I'd need a place to live after I sell my house until retirement. Would it be dumb to rent something for a few years?
1: Well, I don't think it would be dumb at all. As a matter of fact, if you analyze now what you're paying in rent versus what it costs you to own the renters come out ahead of things Um, if you own a house right now and you're renting it out competitive rents here in Connecticut they won't even cover the mortgage if you have that mortgage on 80% of the house so um, I don't think it's a problem at all for you to sell now take advantage of the hot market rent for a while like we were talking earlier it buys you flexibility Um, you can rent for a year here and a year there you can move after six months you can leave for vacation and have everything taken care of just lock the
0: doors and walk and um i i don't think that is a bad idea at all so have you seen anybody doing that i mean have you in practice seen people it seems to me that the the biggest uh argument against that would be the lifestyle issue of having to move twice but i guess if you take that out of it then that's not really an issue for you then the math checks out right the math absolutely checks out, and you
1: know, you ask if we've seen anybody doing that. We've had numerous clients sell their home and rent. Um, it, it, for some people, it just makes sense. It costs a lot of money to maintain a home. Up here in the Northeast, in Connecticut, if you have property taxes of ten thousand dollars a year, so that's what eight hundred and whatever dollars a month. Let's just call it eight hundred. I think it's eight hundred and thirty-three dollars a month, and then you have home maintenance, and let's say that's another thousand dollars a month or so over the course of a year. Well, that's just that's eighteen hundred dollars just to maintain your. House, just property taxes and any kind of things that would come up around the house. Then in addition to that you have all your utilities and so on. So you'll probably find that it's costing you twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars for the average house just to be in that house. You can rent a pretty nice place, not a mansion, but a pretty nice place for that type of money every month and buy the flexibility. So again, it's, you're, you're buying flexibility, you're buying the ability to, in a moment's notice, make a decision and move on it without having to sell a house in the future. The other thing is, some of you have a massive amount of home equity built in your home that's just dead money. Um, it's just sitting there in the home and you sell that home and now maybe you can reinvest that money and um, take other money and pay rent with it and now maybe you've freed up. You know, dollars $500,000, 800000 to put into various investments and have that money liquid instead of locked up in the equity of
0: your home. And even if the math doesn't check out, maybe it's a little more expensive to go the rental route for a few years in the grand scheme of things. But it's like you've I've heard you say at some of your classes where you say, look, did everybody drive a bike here tonight? No? Well, then maybe the cheapest option isn't always best. Sometimes you're making a lifestyle choice that, yeah, it might cost you a few dollars more, but it might be worth it. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, you know, it's not even
1: us to be a bike. I mean, did you drive a Yaris here? Has anybody ever rented a Yaris? That's real cheap to drive. Um, No, most people, they come to our workshops and they're driving very nice cars. And so it's not always the cheapest option. In fact, you know, people that, I have to be careful here, but people that spend an inordinate amount of time trying to buy the cheapest thing possible are many times not very pleasant to people to be around and so most of our clients are not like that they they understand that you get something when you pay for value that's a win when you pay for time that's a win and so again you know this is about this discussion about whether owning versus renting there is more to it than just the money part of it you're absolutely right john
0: All right. Thank you, Joseph, for that question. Uh, Let's go to, who should we go to next? Uh, Let's go to Leah. Leah says, I didn't have a relationship with my mom for the last 20 years, but she just passed away. And apparently I was still in her will this whole time, along with my aunt, who was my mom's sister. So I was surprised to learn that I'm getting about $300,000 that I didn't expect at all. Some of it is in an IRA. Some is in a TOD account with several different stocks. And then there's her house, which needs to be sold and proceeds divided between me and my aunt. How should I handle these different assets to A, get the best returns moving forward and B, also pay as little as possible in taxes? Pretty loaded question, Joel, but what's the overall summary of what we should be thinking about here?
1: Well, the first answer to the question is, I don't know what the rest of your financial situation is. So I really need to know the rest of your financial situation to make any kind of recommendations on how do you invest the money to get the best return because sometimes it's not always the best return. Um, it might be the best return with a few caveats, like liquidity or there's certain amounts of money that you don't need for at least 20 years and so on. From a tax standpoint, that inherited IRA under the new rules has to be drained in 10 years. So it used to be you could stretch that, those payments out over your lifetime. You could leave as much money as possible inside that IRA and just let it grow and grow and grow and take a tiny bit out while well, the tax rules have changed. And now you have to drain that IRA in 10 years. So that can be a tricky tax situation. You're going to need some tax help there. And so those are the the two big things, right? The rate of return, I can't tell you exactly how to get the best rate of return without knowing the rest of your situation. I can't tell you how to, how to invest that money. Um, it, when you want to use the money, that's really important. Who's the money for? If you don't need the money and you want to pass it on to kids, that's another issue. You can actually do something called disclaim the assets. And if they're If the will reads a certain way, they can go right down to your kids if you don't need the money. So much more complicated answer than just, you know, me giving an answer on the radio. We really need to sit down with you and find out exactly what the rest of your situation is, including your family situation, your goals, um, and, and so on.
0: All right, last question today is from Ruben, who says, my goal was to get to $500,000 in my 401k before retiring, but I'm only at 420000 right now and don't think I'll have the patience to work more than another year. I do have some other assets. How much does a person need to have to be able to retire comfortably?
1: Well, Ruben, that depends on how much income you want to take. So the first thing you need to decide is what kind of income do you want. Pretend you're retired today. Because some people get caught up in rate of return in the future and inflation and so on. Don't worry about that. That's a good certified financial planner's job is to factor in all those, all those items. Just pretend you were retiring today. How much cash, or you are retired today, how much cash do you want to spend every single month? That is the baseline to deciding how much money you need to retire. We can factor in inflation in the future, the fact that you need raises. We can factor in when Social Security kicks in, how you take Social Security, any kind of pensions, whether you have long-term goals of leaving money to someone. We factor all that in, but the most important question you can answer, and if you can't answer this, we can't really start with a good financial plan, is how much money do you want to spend every single month? And sometimes people get hung up. They say, well, I'm not going to retire for 10 years. I don't know. Forget about that. You're, You're getting ahead of yourself. Pretend you're retired right now. How much money do you want to spend every month? And then it's very easy for us to run future projections, factoring in inflation and rate of return on investments and guaranteed sources of income like Social Security. We'll do all that work and tell you if you have enough to retire based on that income need that you want. So that's step one. Everything else can be done, but you have to decide what you want
0: to spend every single month. So again, the Money Map Retirement Review can go a long way in helping you answer some of those questions. If you'd like to come in and go through that process, Joel will give us the 30-second summary of everything that somebody will learn when they come in for the money map? Well, I think the most important thing, th- there are a number of things. One is you get a one-page
1: financial plan. It shows your entire financial life on one page. I just was talking to a lady that was last Monday, and she says, I've worked with other financial planners. This is the first time I've got a grasp in a very simple, colorful way of where all my money is and how it's working for me. And so that's what you get with the one page money map. But one of the most important things people get is that income projection. Do I have enough to live for the rest of my life according to my goals and dreams? And what rate of return do I need on my money? That's what you get. So give us a call, get your custom money map. It's unique, it's not cookie cutter. You hear me talk about it all the time on this program, but it is not cookie cutter, it's custom to you. Call 1-800-705-1232, no charge, no obligation call 1-800-705-1232.
0: Cost you absolutely nothing to come in and start that money map review process. 800-705-1232. As Joel said, you'll get a copy of one of his books when you come in for your visit. It'll be an educational experience for you. At the very least, 800-705-1232. Call or text, whichever's easiest. If you're texting, include your first and last name. If you call, just leave a message. We'll reach out to you later and get that scheduled for you. Again, one more time, 800-705-1232. Thanks so much for tuning in to Money Wisdom. We'll talk with you again next week, same time, same place with Joel Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti. Have a great week. Money Wisdom is
1: sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial, LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid
2: sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program.
0: Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.